BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome into House of Wrestling, everybody. It's me, Nick Hausman. Come on in. Take off your shoes or keep them on. Uh, if you don't have socks on, please actually maybe keep your shoes on. We are not looking for any foot smells here in the house today, but we do have a lot of brownies on the kitchen room table, and we got a fire going in the fireplace and sitting here on the couch talking all things professional wrestling with us today is our very good friend, NWA star, Paul Pratt, better known as Polio Del Mar in the wrestling circus paul circus paul thank you circus pro wrestling i really nailed that intro too and then i said circus paul thank you so much uh for coming into the house today hey i appreciate being back and it's always fun to talk some pro wrestling especially now on premiere streaming network that's right wow we got right to the plug today if you are watching us and you are watching us in video form it is tuesday or thursday it is noon eastern and we are over on premiere streaming network if you are looking for your new home, for pro wrestling content, pro wrestling punditry, pro wrestling podcast, head over to Premier Streaming Network. That is watchonpremier.com. We've had a great partnership with Premier. And Paul, I don't know if you, I don't, I don't think I told you this. I did no prep. I did no preparation. This is episode number 50 of House of Wrestling on Premier Streaming Network. Congratulations on 50 episodes. I appreciate being here for that. And of course, it is, a, if you're listening it's a Tuesday, and Tuesday is NWA Day, 6.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube. You can catch the new NWA Power. Can Would you say people in Texas could catch it at that time? 6.05 Eastern? Anybody can catch it at 6.05 Eastern. You just have to adjust yourself. Oh, cool, because it's Tuesday in Texas, I guess, then. Get it? Woo! Uh, that was... That was, and I'm sorry, I just, I think I blew out some eardrums there. Oh, and I definitely readjusted my microphone settings in the process of that woo. Um, we are, good job, microphone. You do a good job. You know when I'm too loud. Um, we got a great show here today. Uh, thank you for looping in that Premier Streaming Network plug. Um, before we get into all of everything going on uh, on HouseOfWrestling.com and what's going on on this show, Paul, the last time we saw each other in person uh, I had the privilege, you were uh, as Polio Del Mar, uh, hosting Big Gay Brunch. It is the only show that my wife Liz and I go to together each year because she doesn't really like mainstream wrestling, but she loves Big Gay Brunch. And I think, you, you know, we can just talk real quick about the show. I really think you guys have found the secret sauce for this thing. This show, two yeah. and a half hours long, all killer, no filler. You know the hits. By this point, the characters are defined. There's no lulls. The main event always kills. You get this post-show promo from Effie every time that makes you leaving the building just feeling refreshed and wanting to kick ass. Uh, Paul, uh, just talk to me a little bit about what was your experience like doing Big Gay Brunch here in Chicago. And uh, also, let's talk a little bit about Sunny Kiss because I didn't know this. This was her, her first non-AEW match since leaving the company. It was. And, you know, you talk about that post-match promo from Effie or the post-show promo from Effie. And what I think it really does for people who are supportive of that particular product is make them feel proud and feel happy to be supporting something that is groundbreaking in its own right, that is important yes. in the world and the broader scheme of professional wrestling. So you're not there just loving pro wrestling. You're not there just getting this amazing show from all these incredible talents, but you're doing something and you're participating in the ground floor of something that is important and that is, I think, now being widely replicated, but never duplicated. And that's Effie's Big Gay Brunch. But 
it for Sunny, this was in fact the first outing after finding out that, that she was gone from from AEW or was going to be released from AEW. And I I didn't even know Sunny and I are somewhat close, and I didn't even know that when I picked her up from the airport that morning. Wow. I, I think it sort of like started to come out during the course of that conversation from the airport back to the venue, but I didn't know all the details. So this was an important day, I think, for Sunny because you know, her dreams have always been to be where she's at in AEW. That was a dream come true for her. And now it's going to be a very different road in that post AEW environment for her. And where better to sort of get your feet wet than in an environment where people absolutely adore you for who you are and appreciate what you bring as an in-ring competitor. Yeah. And it, I know you can find it online. It, it, you really should go watch Effie's promo because I'm sitting there and I did not know uh, what was going on with Sonny, but I knew that Effie was really putting over Sonny and Sonny's uh, what she's done for the business and inspiring people. And she's visibly crying through this whole thing. It was very, very powerful. And like looking back on it now, what a real moment there for Effie to really give Sonny that spotlight. Um, one of the things that Effie talked about in the post-show promo was at a time in this business when promoters are struggling to find new people to come into pro wrestling. Like, where are those casual fans? Where are these fans that we are not getting into the mix right now that we could otherwise be getting in? I mean, it's it's a wonderful point from a human perspective, right? Because you have the ability to expose people to all these different, uh, you know, different individuals they may not have other seen, maybe somebody they can identify with. But also from a business perspective, which Effie's very smart about and he's very careful, careful with his words, you know, this is a this is a good investment, right? I know that there are obviously people that want to pick up an AK-47, shoot up some Bud Lights cans anytime they see something that scares them, right? But there are so many more people out there that are looking for those opportunities to embrace forms of entertainment that are not catering yeah. to them, but they're, they're familiar with, right? And I, I really see the conduit. I thought it was a wonderful point that Effie made after the show. Look, that whether people love Sonny Kiss or or not, it's an undisputed fact that there's a clip of Sonny wrestling back in the days of Lucha Underground mm -hmm. that has been viewed mil like tens of millions of times. And it, it goes viral every six months or so. Somebody new shares it and it goes viral yet again. And it... And it just shows the fact that what Sunny Kiss does is so unique and so special that there is undoubtedly an audience out there for Sunny and people like Sunny. And as somebody who just knows Sunny, I, I spent a weekend with Sunny in back in May down in Los Angeles. We we were roommates together. Sunny is just one of the nicest, most joyful, fun to be around, and kindest people that you're going to encounter in the wrestling business. And I've encountered a lot of really cool people. And Sunny is at the very top of that list. So the, the future is very bright for Sunny. I, I'm not worried. I, I was I was bummed because I, I want my friends to be happy. And I know that it did not make her happy to get that release. But nevertheless, the future is very bright for Sunny Kiss. Agreed. Um, and I have a feeling I'll bring Sunny up here uh, later in the show as well. So we'll put a button on it for now. Uh, I do want to note, though, of course, uh, we put out put over Premier Streaming Network, the other home of House of Wrestling. Of course, HouseOfWrestling.com, H-A-U-S of Wrestling.com. Head over there. We got news. I got Ennis McVeigh right now. You heard him on the show last week. He's writing up news right now on the site. We try to never stop. We try to keep it going. And uh, just this past Friday, we had our latest exclusive interview with me and Mr. Pectacular Jesse Goddard from Ohio Valley Wrestling. I don't know if you've had the chance to catch wrestlers yet on Netflix. Have you, Paul? I, d I don't support Netflix for my own reasons, but so I haven't watched it. I may have to make an, an excuse. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Just to, fair just to support the people of OVW because a, a number of people that I've worked with in the industry are on that program. They're going to be breakout stars somewhere. And it's obviously keeps trending. So there's something very good about what they're showing there. The thing, and I don't want to spend too much time on wrestlers because we've already gone too long at the top, but the thing about wrestlers is if you liked the Apple TV series, monster factory, which a lot of people walked watched, this is like the unsanitized gritty version of monster factory where they really kind of get into more of the stuff that, you know, the, the truths of how independent wrestling really works with people with money and backstage politics and things like that. Um, so anyway, Jesse Goddard's out now over on the podcast feed. Let's uh, So also on House of Wrestling, we do a lot of exclusive news. We've had some exclusive items here uh, since we last recorded last Thursday. Uh, I will start with this one right here uh, about CM Punk. Now, of course, uh, CM Punk block 
usually first if we got any punk news, because we know how much all of our listeners love their CM Punk updates. Um, this past Friday on Cage Fury Fighting Championships, Punk was back on commentary, um, and he joked about how he has free time on his hands for about the next two months. Uh, he also, I guess, last night at the closing night of the tapings, joked about how there are fighters that fear for their lives around him, depending on who you read. Now, the second one, very funny line, uh, but the first one, two months free time on his hands. Obviously, that would line up with Survivor Series, which is going to be in Chicago. And uh, it's also the week that AEW will be in Chicago for their Thanksgiving Dynamite Week episode. So it would be a good spot for Punk to to pop up. Now, I went asking around about, uh, as I have for a while now, but really put it into overdrive this past weekend. Can this man do this? Does CM Punk have a non-compete? And holy hell, what an impossible question to get an answer to right now. The most closely guarded question in all of professional wrestling. I, unfortunately, could not break that wall. But in the process of asking around and pressing people about what is the dynamic here like, what was the separation like? Are they tied up in litigation? I was flatly told that on Punk's side, there is no litigation going towards Tony Khan. I almost went as far as saying AEW as well, but when I went back and looked at my notes, it was not explicitly made clear to me by his camp that there was zero litigation going, but the vibe I very, very, very much got was this man is not looking for litigation. I would be surprised if he had any litigation. It doesn't sound like, from what I'm hearing, AEW has any litigation uh, or lawsuits going against him. So this man, at le- if he's not under a non-compete, seems to be free to do it every once. And if he is under a non-compete, I get the vibe is just going to be laying low for a while and not doing much. But behind the scenes, Paul, it looks like at the very least, there's no the lawsuits have stopped and these people are starting to actually formally uh, move on with their lives and are divorced in some way, it would seem. As they should be at this juncture. I mean, I think it became clear to me as a viewer that, you know, there were tenuous reasons that CM Punk was interested in remaining with AEW to begin with. AEW... I think by having Tony Khan go on air and repeatedly say that he was let go with cause, with cause, with cause, with cause generally means that they're, they're setting that up to not be able to be contested in court. Like there's a reason that they've let him go and a reason that they've broken that contract. And generally speaking, that means that they fired him outright. And since they stated that so publicly, when you're fired outright, generally speaking, I don't think they can apply or that it can apply a a non-compete because the, they have let you go well, by their but, voice. I, but there are reports that Punk was under uh, into, uh, like a employee contract and a wrestler agreement, you know, and that's where I get into kind of the murky area here. Because you're right. If he was just an employee, I would say you're right. Wash your hands. This guy can be on NXT on Tuesday. It's that lingering talent contract he seems to have been attached to because they always said there's contracts it was there a stipulation there again i i I can't get the words terms of separation out of my head that tony khan said from the press conference what does that mean what agreements were put in place uh i i haven't quite fully flushed that out but i do know that doesn't look like any contentious litigation is going on look from a viewer perspective I I know that there is significant interest and desire for CM Punk to pop up on WWE. It makes people love to watch that kind of internalized drama um, play out on television from a a fan perspective. Individually, I, he could just go away and I would not be disheartened one bit. If he just faded back into nothingness that he had been in for seven years prior to returning on AEW, I, I would not be heartbroken at all. Yeah. And, and look, I don't think he would really either, you know. I don't think I, so either. The guy's loaded at this point. Yeah. Loaded. And, and and you know, when I was when I went around the other part of the exclusive on on the punk update was, you know, would WWE bring him back? I largely have heard if business can be done, if the timing is right, then yeah, they probably they probably would be back. But they have so many top stars right now between Roman and Cody and Sami Zayn. They're not really in need of like bringing on somebody else to the mix. But if some people went down injured, let's say all at once, you know, Hey, yeah. Punk's probably top of your list of guys to come in and 
bring in, but we're just not in a moment like that right now. And didn't his less than glowing UFC experience um, taint their interest in him now that they're owned by UFC? No, no. So Cage Fury Fighting Championship airs on UFC Fight Pass. That is where that company lives on pay-per-view. And so in a weird way, Punk is already part of the TKO Group Holdings umbrella, believe it or not. And that's kind of something that I think is maybe getting a little lost here is when you really kind of go down the tree, go Endeavor, UFC, and UFC does not own Cage Fury Fighting Championships, but again, they are the distributor for Cage Fury Fighting Championships. And I would guess, because Punk started commentating for them in 2018, five years ago, that there was probably some UFC help in getting that role and keeping him around. So I, 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 I think from a casual fan who's like, this guy got his ass kicked twice in a row, what value to his has, okay, fine. The reason he even got his he even re, the reason he even got brought in to have his ass kicked twice is because he's CM Punk and they see right. value in that. Exactly you know? correct. His name value. Right. So right. that and that that has not changed. That's only increased. His name value has increased now. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, man, if I were any business owner and my business was already sufficiently afloat financially, the desire to bring in somebody who is known to be problematic from all sides of the coin would be very limited you want to hear my pitch for punk at wwe paul here's my idea this guy left aew with a belt that's got a big x running right down the middle of it i wouldn't bring him back to raw or smackdown i'd bring him into nxt i'd bring him into nxt i'd have him work with the other guy with a big x in the middle of his belt carmelo hayes uh, I'd have him make a big deal about how he's not allowed on Raw or SmackDown because he's a huge fucking problem. And he's going to make Tuesday nights living hell until he gets what he wants. And he shows up there and cops pull him out every week and whatever you want to do with Punk in NXT where you can keep Raw and SmackDown going as you have planned. But see how he does down there. If Punk exists in NXT, you got Sean down there running the show. If Punk could exist down in NXT for hypothetically, let's say six months, like the Young Bucks went. I'd give it three, because then then you're getting closer to Survivor Series Rumble. But let's say he can go down there, show he's there for good for business. He's willing to work with young talent, willing to prove he can get himself back into the mix. Um, And while he's doing that, probably help your NXT brand beat AEW in the demo and overall mm-hmm. viewership each week. I, I would give, I, I don't know why you wouldn't roll the dice on that if the guy would be willing to do it. I, I mean, that would be, you know, what, what you've effectively said is gamble on the, the outcome and, and use NXT as your <clears throat> sacrificial lamb, basically. Like, it's, he's keeping him, you're keeping him off the main roster. He's under uh, direct supervision of some people who are, are veterans, like Shawn Michaels. Uh, that, that, to me, actually makes more sense than than doing anything with raw and, and smackdown those two shows yeah. are already packed mm-hmm. um and and also the locker room is very different and the last thing you want is that cancer um you know to come into your into your locker room there so and see the thing about doing punk and, and there's so much there's so much i think that is good there because like again yeah it is loaded, but you could keep him hot down there. If something happened where there's an appropriate opening on, on the main roster and things are going well, then you can bring him in. You already got him there. He's already making noise for your company, right? And at the same time, have him start showing up backstage at Raw and SmackDown. Don't have him on screen, but just get him in the locker room. See how people react to him. You don't have to make any plans, but just the slowest of slow integrations to make sure everybody's fine and happy here. But I would I, I would start it at NXT. Everybody get what gets what they want, right? They beat AEW. Punk is showing he's an adult. WWE can, you know, figure out where they feel about this. I have not talked to Triple H for anybody who's wondering about my sources. I, I wish I could get through. I have had a few people in and around. Uh, not in and around. That's gross. I've had a few people around Triple H uh, that have told me they don't know how he feels about him. And that's like the biggest lingering hang up right now is is Hunter willing to do business with this guy? So that's why I say, like, don't do business, but let Sean do business with him. And Sean can tell you if he's good or not and move from there. That's how I feel about it. Well, I mean, it's certainly a, a perfect vetting process, you know, like allow it to see play out. And um, 
it will not it could do no negatives for NXT that's for certain uh the other house of wrestling exclusive I wanted to get into here uh WWE related is uh this past Friday there were some major layoffs in the WWE headquarters we had talked about on Thursday these were expected Nick Khan had put out an internal email letting all the employees know to work remotely because uh there were going to be HR conversations uh PW Insider uh reported that more than 100 employees were laid off, um, including um, Severio Brigana, who worked in the marketing department and is one of the few people in headquarters I actually ever had a relationship with just because he helped me set up WWE Blast Area here in Chicago. So really, out of doubt, he's listening, but Severio, I'm very sorry to hear that. Um, anyway, a lot of people, employees gone due to the redundancy that's created with the merger. Um, we reported that there's going to be some major talent cuts and from the main roster and the NXT roster, um, not on Friday, uh, but they are expected. And, you know, I heard this from a couple people when asking around about the layoffs. It was like, we don't think they're going to happen on Friday, but they're coming. They're happening. And yeah. it doesn't seem like a huge shock. I haven't had anybody dispute my reporting. Um, and it's unfortunate. And I have had a few people hit me up going, man. That sucks. I'm like, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but when I have multiple people internally telling me, yeah, these these cuts are expected, then there you go. Get ready, everybody. Well, the the cuts that they've made already, obviously, are, are office positions largely. And when you do have two large companies like this, a company that's so well-established already as the acquiring company, which has all of these divisions of their own, exactly as WWE would have, there, there are redundancies and you know there's people doing the same positions in two companies that's what they refer to as the redundancy it's it's a horrible thought that somebody's career is re referred to as redundant and then they are let go but that is the kind of reality that you look at in any kind of merger like this i went through um four years ago i went through something similar in, in my what was then my day job and you know we saw a variety of similar things a lot of people were let go because their positions were were already being done by the acquiring company. Mm -hmm. And with talent, you know, uh, now that the Endeavor merger is completed, you know, we haven't seen any talent layoffs here or talent releases in the past 18 months, two years. This, this whole thing has kind of been uh, building to a crux. So uh, it, it, they have built up a roster. It's pretty large. Um, we are also seeing names returning to the mix now. Nia Jax, obviously. And, uh, of course, on Friday night, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, after Brian Gortz had gone public and said, because of the SAG after strikes, he didn't think Dwayne would be back. But, hey, here we are. A couple days after the merger is complete, Dwayne's back in the mix. Uh, he had appeared on the Pat McAfee show up the road at Boulder, Colorado, earlier in the day. Popped up in Denver for SmackDown that night with Pat. They jaw-jacked with Austin Theory. Dropped him with a pair of people's elbows. And in the process, drew in more than 1 million viewers, according to WrestleNomics, just in the P18 to 49 demo, which is, of course, the one that the advertisers like. And very rare, very, very, very rare you ever see more than a million of those key demo viewers for a single segment. But here you go. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Pat McAfee pulled it off. Big opener on Friday night. Both of them are established superstars in their own right. And both have followings that extend beyond the world of professional wrestling. So they could draw those eyes. And I think that that's the kind of thing that WWE has always loved to capitalize on. Those casual fans, uh, the truly casual fans, people who are not necessarily even wrestling fans, who tune in because of a name that they are there to see. Yep, exactly. And, and again, the reason I say these names coming in is because as you see names coming in, little more credence to the idea that there's probably going to be some names coming out. Right. And we also here, I guess I'll, I'll throw this in here uh, while we're talking about names coming in. There's big WWE tryouts going on this week and they haven't done big WWE tryouts in a while. Uh, I told you I was going to bring up Sonny kiss again. And I was really sad to see his name wasn't on this list, Paul, but he doesn't need to be doing a tryout. They could just sign him, but I really thought he might have a shot at the next round of tryouts. I'm, I'm a little sad and surprised to see his name's not on this list. Well, uh, you know, the list of people that are that are going to be going there, I was looking at it. Um, a couple of people that, that I'm very familiar with from AEW, um, some people I'm extremely familiar with from NWA. Um, so it, it could be a very good crop of, of, of students or of talent 
acquisitions. I'm very sad personally to see Maddie Rinkowski on there. I'm, I'm excited for her um, because of her extreme talent level, but I'm sad because she is somebody that I enjoy and love working with at NWA. Jamie Stanley from NWA is also on that. He's somebody I, I certainly could see fitting a mold for, for WWE. Um, and then a variety of like some second generation wrestlers and other people who are aspiring. And, and this is a great chance for them. Let me let me I'll run down the list real quick. It's only about 10 people. Copeland Barbie, Davey Gold or Goldie from Monster Factory, like we talked about earlier. Jay Malachi, a W uh, dark veteran. Richard Holiday. Hell yeah. Uh, may have seen him from MLW. Uh, Brogan Finley, Fit Finley's son. Uh, Jamie Stanley, like you said. Ray Jazz, also from AEW and MLW. Uh, Demarius Largo, Hollywood Haley J, uh, also from OVW's The Wrestlers. Love Haley J as a person. I, I really enjoyed working with her at NWA. Uh, Kelsey Hornack, Valentina Rossi from AEW Dark, and Maddie Rinkowski, like you said, from NWA. I also really, like, again, I don't really know Hollywood Haley J. I enjoyed her from The Wrestlers. I thought she was a great pers person. But then I read this Danny Moe post on Twitter from back in um, May, and Oh, you know, as soon as like you see success and stuff, you always start to hear the, the stories around it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, basically, there's uh, there's a wrestler named Facade or Facade, however you want to perform. It. I think sometimes it's with a K. It's Facade. OK, Facade. Neon, the Neon Ninja. I've called right. him whatever. He used to have a K in his name. Facade. And then there's his uh, uh, like tag partner, uh, Danny Moe, uh, the Neon Ninja. They're blonde, the Neon Blondes. So anyway, Danny's down in OVW, and the way she tells a story, and you could go to her Twitter page, and this was, again, published months ago, and I didn't even know about this. Basically describing a very hostile environment in OVW um, where H Haley and her uh, boyfriend, Eric Darkstoom, both featured on the show, very violent towards her, uh, drugs, uh, poor management, she alleges, from Matt Jones and Al Snow. It's really, really long. I'm just giving you the broad strokes. You could go read her experience there. But it really did damper my feelings about Haley after reading that. And I hate to say that, but I'm just being candid with everybody. Well, you know, I think that Haley is incredibly talented. I think Danny Moe is incredibly talented, too. I'm not familiar with that particular post, so I can't comment towards that. Yeah, I'll send you the link. But what, what I will say is that it should shock nobody that on the heels of the wrestlers or wrestlers having this breakout success. And since, since Haley is one of the people who are featured heavily on that series, that, that a lot of eyes are going to turn to her. Yeah. And, and look, she's rough. She had a real rough upbringing, you know, came from a, came from a bad upbringing. It sounds like, and has a uh, attitude and she's very temperamental. So, you know, again, very, very talented, I am also on the Hollywood Haley J train as far as like interest goes. Um, but these days, especially in the WWE environment where everything is so professional in business, who, how you carry yourself, your maturity level is like a big part of it. And so I'll, I'll be, I'll be interested to see if they, if, if they go with Hollywood Haley J was a lot of talent, but also, you know, a little wild at the moment. One person on the list, obviously that I pop for that I think is very mature and ready for this opportunity is Richard holiday. And yes. I, I think it's great that he's doing the tryout and that he's going to go through the paces and prove that he could do it. But this guy doesn't need to be doing that. This guy, this guy's ready to be signed out of the box right now. The story's there. Um, just whatever. I, I, I'm i big Richard Holiday fan. Very happy to see him on this list. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, having overcome some extremely significant health issues to be able to re return to his his pro wrestling dreams is a very important story to tell. And, you know, we've seen him pop up recently working with GCW even. So he's kind of out there on the grind again. So Richard Holiday is, I, I do think, has all the, the, the makings that they could easily turn into a major star. Yeah, 100%. By the way, I don't think I said the sort uh, citation there, but Body Slam was the first to release all these names and then Fightful got them approved and we've also approved them. Whatever, domino, domino, domino. Good job, Body Slam. Um, all right, back to some bigger WWE news here. A crown jewel taking place in November. The Riyadh Festival put out um, a promotional video um, this in the past couple days where they did confirm the name of the show is going to be uh, Crown Jewel. 
The Wrestling Observer noting that Roman Reigns, his next title defense, is going to be happening there in Saudi. He's going to be back on TV here soon to start promoting that match. And the other big name that's going to be on this show is John Cena, who's going to be making his first appearance in Saudi Arabia for WWE since 2018. Of course, uh, in 2018, Jamal Khashoggi was murdered um, or executed, however you want to describe it, um, by the Saudi government. And a lot of people stopped doing business with the Saudis. Here we are five years later. Nothing has really happened other than an acknowledgement of what happened. And everybody's doing business with the Saudis again. And John now feels he can do it and not get the blowback from it, according to the Observer. That's why he's there. And uh, there are also no other holdouts from WWE. Um, How do you feel about the upcoming crown jewel and everything that I just kind of laid out there, Paul? Well, I'm not a, a huge fan of the political climate there. I think that that's an obvious statement. Um, we as a country, the United States has such a tenuous relationship with places that do, we do not approve of their political practices. I'm honestly going to just go right out and say that I think half the places in the world would observe what we do politically and not want a relationship with us because there's a lot of things that are overlooked in our country as well. So, well, I'm not going to get into both sides here because like I hear about uh, the Saudi government ordering rapes and murder along their border to keep out immigrants from Africa. And I just don't know that the United States is on that level right now, but go ahead. Um, I don't know that they're not on that level. So, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I agree that in Texas, there's a lot of really fucked up shit going on, but it's really so, not quite the same. And I don't really know that I, uh, I see that I don't outright see the comparison between the two, but go ahead. So I, I will say this. I think that um, I have always actually tended to enjoy the shows that they do in Saudi Arabia. The, the King is paying for the best possible pay-per-view and he generally gets it. So it'll be in, intriguing to find out where they're going in terms of directing Roman Reigns, things of that nature, who his next opponent will be for this. Yeah, no, I mean, it, look, it, it looks like it'll probably be Cena, right? Um, based on the way the storytelling is being told on TV, Cena was at the receiving end of attacks from the bloodline on Friday night SmackDown with the, the stare down with solo. Uh, Meltzer was saying he, he expects Cena to be at Fastlane, which I believe yeah, is before the Saudi show. So you could do solo versus John Cena at one or uh, John Cena versus Jimmy at one and then build it up to Roman Reigns at the Saudi show. I, I just, I, I have a vibe that Reigns and, and Cena, and I know they've already fought while he's been champion, but I, I get the vibe we might be back on a collision course with these two. Disinterested. I'm disinterested in that. Um, I, I do not like the bringing back John Cena to feed him to somebody just as a, an opportunity to prolong this reign for Roman Reigns, which is to me exactly what this would smack of if that's where they go. I would much rather see him facing somebody who is a full-time competitor on the roster and, and allowing somebody else to be elevated by having that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. LA night. But the thing is like the Saudi shows, like they're always just like so over the top, like mega dream shows, you know? And I think that a rain Cena fits better on a Saudi show. And then a couple weeks later, you're going to be in Chicago for, for survivor series. And that's where I think you get Roman Reigns and that young up-and-comer, L.A. Knight, uh, you know, that the fans are getting behind right now. So I, that's why I say Cena and Saudi. And then you got Rumble around the corner. And, and hopefully you can throw somebody that's, you know, looking to get that push into the mix there. Well, I, I would expect – I'm still expecting that L.A. Knight will be the winner of this year's Royal Rumble. You think so? I do. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. I, I Like, I, I think that, that if they really want to give him that – mega push that they've been you know all the, the all the news sites have been talking about i think that it begins there all right i mean that's the rumble is four months away yeah there's there's a lot of ways to build him up continue to build him up and then give him that royal rumble win which is going to assure him the world title shot all right i uh, hey we'll see where we're at in four months i um i, I guess i'm just a little skeptical on it because they push him, but they still, like, I don't know. It's like one toe in, one toe out kind of deal. Like, they're pushing him, but I don't know if they put the title on him. I'm not sold on that yet. Could be wrong. I'm not saying that they're even going to put the title on him. I do think he's going to win. The, I, like, my prediction at this point is that he is the most viable candidate to win the Royal Rumble. Well, uh, another name that looks to be coming into the WWE mix soon is Jade Cargill. Uh, Fightful reporting that Jade 
is being sent to the WWE Performance Center this week. She's not expected on NXT tonight or in the immediate future on WWE TV as it's kind of unsure what her uh, WWE creative will be, obviously. But, man, what a get. Jade Cargill's about to be a very famous, huge huge star. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> um, I think that, honestly, I think that she is one of the most impactful gets that WWE could have from AEW's roster. They, she is a homegrown talent that they put over massively for the longest, longest time. And I, I hate to say this, and I think AEW fans are going to hate that I do say it. Once she steps foot into WWE, we are going to see what Jade Cargill's true potential is. Because mm -hmm. they will absolutely put the machine behind her to develop her in ways and push her in ways AEW never even fathomed doing. Yes, we are going to see Lady Cody Rhodes in this situation, Paul. We are going to see, like, she her presentation was never really the problem in AEW. Never. No, no. They, she had a great entrance, great look, great. Now we're just going to see that on a bigger stage. And that's really what they did with Cody. They They didn't change it. They just gave it better graphics. They gave it a bigger stage. They gave him a better push. They gave it better merchandise. They put the machine behind him, vignettes, writing, the whole nine yards. And Jade's about to get the same thing. And I do think a lot about Cody when I look about Jade, look at Jade right now. The one huge distinction between what we're going to see between Cody and Jade, in my estimation, is that Cody it was already a fully formed character who... I'm going to guarantee wrote his own promos, worked all those out. We heard about how he'd workshop and all the things. This He was somebody who was already pre-packaged, just to, ready to be placed in that top spot, which he already had in the other company. Jade was in that spot, but she has not been polished by that company to the degree in terms of writing her promos and shaping her character and giving her nuances that WWE will give her that are going to make her noticeably go to the next level. Man, it is not hard to look up and down, right? Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch. Hell, Trish Stratus is in the mix these days, right? No shortage of women. Nia Jax back in the equation. And I do think that this is not just going to be a showcase of like how much bigger Jade is, you know, on a stage like WWE, but also like kind of a commentary on booking of women, right? Because we really never saw Jade have any kind of storyline, meaningful storyline outside of I'm the champion. This person's trying to take my title. There was a little bit of stuff with the baddies and Kira Hogan where there was they attempted to do some like I don't even want to call it to the I don't want to call it the bloodline. That's a it's not even like well, similar. Again, you know what I mean though. Again, this is the kind of nuanced character development and nuanced story development that WWE is head and shoulders above AEW on. And I, what I really think that we're going to see as well with somebody like Jade, her look is, I, I would put her look above, honestly, most of the women in WWE's roster in True, terms okay. of the presentation, all of those things. Where she has always fallen short is, I think, being able to truly capitalize on the, what she's physically presenting to make her connect even greater with audiences. And I think we're going to get that in WWE. Yeah. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And I, you know, I, I kind of, I've joked about her coming in with punk or, you know, maybe her getting paired with Cody, but it doesn't feel like somebody that needs to be paired with anybody. And, and the more I think about it, like bringing her in to pair her with somebody to be the China for somebody, I, it really is a disservice. You know, the, the one thing, AEW, the, the one thing AEW did get right about Jade Cargill, is make her the focus. If you want to add people around her, they are seconds to make her seem even more important. But putting her as a backdrop or a muscle for somebody, I don't know. I I, I am now fully convinced you got to keep her kind of as is as the focus as they did in AEW and WWE. Interestingly enough, I think that Jade Cargill, in terms of a female acquisition for WWE, is she is the pinnacle of what you could hope to find in this industry. There is nobody at this juncture who would be a bigger acquisition of a, of a female talent for WWE than her. And I think they are going to ideally really capitalize on that. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, all right. Last item here. 
Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Have you heard of it, Paul? You know, you're familiar with I, the outlet? I'm, I'm, I'm quite aware of it. Paul writes for him. I'm a, I'm a columnist for them. Uh, well, whatever. You write for him. Columns, right? You're right. Okay. Columnist. Uh, Paul Pratt. Paul E. Pratt. Uh, Paul uh, writes for Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And Pro Wrestling Illustrated uh, released their annual PWI 500. And uh, it's been going on, I believe, since 2002, 2001. Was that the first one? Um, it might. No, have... no, it's 92. 92. I was going to say, it extends well beyond that. Yeah. No, I think it was 1992. That's what it was. I think it was 1992. More than 30 years of ranking uh, wrestlers. Everybody always has an opinion on them. And this year was not short of opinions. I'll run down the top 10. We'll talk about it here to wrap up the show. Taking number one, WWE World Heavyweight Champion Seth Freaking Rollins. At number two, undisputed WWE Universal Champion Roman Reigns. Number three, AEW International Champion John Moxley. Number four, WWE Intercontinental Champion Gunther. Number five, Triple A Mega Champion El Io de Vikingo. And below him at number six, AEW World Champion MJF. The never openweight six-man tag team champion Kazuchika Okada is at number seven. Eight, Orange Cassidy. Nine, Josh Alexander. And down there at number 10, below Josh Alexander, Orange Cassidy, and El Hio de Vikingo is Cody Rhodes. Uh, what do you what do you think about this year's top 10 rankings? Paul, agree, disagree? How do you feel about it? Well, I, I, in general, I have very limited input on this particular product. Um, in general. So sure. I, I didn't get to help them compile the top 500 exactly, but there was an internal conversation about the top, the top five. So I was part of that conversation. Um, and I can't speak exclusively to that necessarily, but I do know that at the time of this, I want to remind people that th this is one of the problems when you're writing physical magazines. Like we were debating that three months ago. We were debating that maybe even more than three months ago. That was back in May, if I'm not mistaken. And you had to look at people's performances up until that point in May, because this goes to press in like June, and then now it's out here now in August, September, or something like that. So, um, and I'm, the timeline of what I'm describing there in terms of going to press and being out now, maybe off a little bit because I don't have that much insight into that part, but I know that it went to press at latest in July, right? Or, right. you know. So we were looking at people's performances up to that point. And, and at that juncture, MJF had had a handful of matches. Roman Reigns, we, you know, there's there's always this internal dialogue. Do you rank somebody's actual in-ring performances, like the number and their performances, higher than somebody's perceived importance in the industry or their impact on the industry, even though they may have had a lot less matches? That's what you're experiencing, for example, with a Roman Reigns. Like, obviously, he is the number one guy in professional wrestling, but his number of defenses is not very high. Or you get somebody like Gunther, who has come in as a secondary champion and has been so dominant for so long against a breadth of really good talent. But does him reinvigorating that title to the level that he has, does that rise him up? Well, I, I was I was surprised to see MJF had never ranked in the top 10. And so actually him moving into the number six spot is quite a leap for him. But at the same token, this is the second biggest company in the industry. This is the centerpiece of that company who's moving more merchandise than anyone. And look, I, I have my criticisms of MJF from time to time, like anybody, but El Hio de Vikingo has just not broken through at least. And I guess, I don't know, maybe I'm not thinking of it globally enough, but it, it just seems apples to oranges to me. And, and, and last year there was, I think Vikingo outranked some other people and pissed everybody off. I, and look, I think Vikingo's great, you know, but is it, is he better? Is he, is he more influential or important to the business than MJF? I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't think he's more influential. I certainly don't think he's more influential than MJF. But I will say that, you know, he's out there wrestling on multiple continents against top-tier opponents and putting on absolute clinics on an ongoing basis. And MJF, as AEW world champion, had like four defenses. So when you say top wrestler, 
are we talking about actual wrestling? Are we saying the PWI 500 top wrestlers? We're looking at their wrestling, in-ring wrestling. And we kind of, the other stuff is accoutrement to add on if you can. I think that what, so remember, first of all, this is a committee. This is a committee of people that that will come together and they talk. So everybody's, and I, and I was on, those those exchanges specifically about number one there was a lot of conversation about number one okay and every and the same thing when we were back doing the 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 tag teams like i had a bit of input not a tremendous amount in the top tag teams you know who was going to be the number one tag team and when every person comes to this committee they come with a different perspective Hmm. and i will tell you that for some people like in those those back and forth dialogues some people are like Yes, but this person's only had five matches, but they were, they are the most discussed, most talked about, most over, you know, person in all of professional wrestling. That would be the way somebody would describe a Roman Reigns. Sure. Uh, Or, and then other people are like, yeah, but Seth Rollins is out there and he's wrestling very regularly, always at the top tier of wrestling. He's had some great matches that are extremely memorable against a breadth of opponents and he's the new world champion. So would that not make him number one? Or some people would say, you know, I will tell you this MJF to my knowledge was never in the conversation for number one, because the number of matches that he had had at that juncture had been so limited. Like this was coming in. Um, who was his opponent at a Forbidden Door? I can't remember off the top Who, of my MJF? head. MJF? Yes. Uh, MJF took on. Didn't he? He took on uh... the. It was. It was an international. It was a Japanese talent. Yeah. One second. I'll look at and it. I will tell you that when this. That so whatever the date of that was. That event. Two weeks to three weeks prior to that is when we were having this conversation. Oh, about, he took on Tanahashi. Yes. So. And there was a point when he was teasing on television, like I might, you know, I'm not even going to consider this match with Tanahashi. Mm-hmm. And the internal dialogue at that time was like, he better take that match or he's probably not even going to make it into the top 10. He's had like three matches this year. Wow. You know? So like that was, that was like, a, it was a joke, but at that juncture, his, his actual defense schedule and his actual wrestling schedule was so limited. He was not out there on on television wrestling every week like an Orange Cassidy. Wow. He wasn't out there wrestling every week on, for AEW and on the independents like John Moxley. That's why people within his own company stood a better chance. Like, yes, vocally he was number one, but I think it's a far cry from the kind of focus that as number one in his company Roman Reigns gets. You gave me a great headline here. MJF nearly didn't make PWI 500 top 10. That's a good headline. I mean, at like his at, at the juncture that we were looking at this, I mean, I'm sure that Kevin McElvaney, my boss, is going to be like, that's not even true. Uh, but I think that it certainly, you know, that Tanahashi match, I think, moved him as high as number six. Okay. okay. That, that would be my guess because prior to that match, that, that match happened right at the end of, of our voting period. Wow. All right. Wow. That's fascinating. I, I was I was excited to have this conversation. I didn't know I was going to get this much insight into how the PWI 500 works. This is incredible. It's, you know, and one of the things I will tell you, I bless Kevin McElvaney's heart. Kevin McElvaney is the editor-in-chief of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Listeners, um, you know, he's got a very full life. His wife, uh, he's very public about this. His wife is suffering some tremendous um, medical, personal medical conditions. And, you know, this happens to, you know, there's, there's never a good time to kick the hornet's nest, but his wife is going through some, you know, she's, she's been hospitalized recently and just, he knew this was dropping. And last year people just attacked him outright, like called him the most horrible things, um, questioned his knowledge base his you know, all of these things. And what it really comes down to is there's a group of about 10 people who sit in a committee and hash these things out. The top 10 usually bubbles up really quickly. 
Um, you know, that seems pretty apparent. But after that, it all, you know, it falls down to speculation and and kind of like a juggling match, you know, trying to like who who bubbled up this year, who did not bubble up. Um, for wrestlers, there's nothing like the day before the PWI 500 comes out to, to put out there. Oh, it's just a list. Who cares? And then the day it comes out like, oh, my God, I'm 400, you know, I'm whatever, you know. It's a, a very interesting thing to watch. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, hey, we got 12 months. We'll do it again. Um, well, thank you, everybody, for tuning into House of Wrestling here today. Uh, I'll be back on Thursday, noon Eastern, Premier Streaming Network, before hitting the House of Wrestling podcast feed. I'll be joined by Iso Ramos. Uh, we're going to be talking all the news that has happened in the forthcoming 48 hours. Um, and, of course, if you like House of Wrestling, houseofwrestling.com, and, of course, the YouTube uh, podcast, YouTube channel podcast feed. Go supri- uh, support those with a nice like subscription all that stuff helps paul where can people go to find you follow you support you all those wonderful things hey if you're watching this in video format there's my twitter right there the glamazon pdm it's going to be a combination of all my various uh personalities on there that's the best place to follow me for wrestling related content because i tweet about wrestling incessantly of course if you want to see my other my my glamorous other half um, definitely tune in to National Wrestling Alliance. Go to youtube.com slash NWA. You'll be able to catch me on various elements of this season of NWA Power, which broadcasts every Tuesday, 6.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And jump over and Twitch, right? Like Tuesday is NWA day, so it's 6.05 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, three hours after um, Power broadcast. I stream classic and current wrestling from the National Wrestling Alliance as well every single Tuesday. Well, there you go, everybody. Go have some fun here. Later today, Tuesday, NWA Day. Go support Paul. Uh, Thank you all so much for coming into the house here today. Feel free to grab whatever marijuana-laced baked goods that are on the kitchen room table here on the way out the door. Paul's not having none of that. Um, I I, I can't eat at the House of Wrestling. (laughs) No, everything everything in the House of Wrestling is made of marijuana. It's like the Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory, only it's all weed. Um, (laughs) The Weedy Wonka Chocolate Factory. I, uh, I'm not drinking right now, Paul. It's only marijuana in my system. Isn't that crazy? Well, that, um, that explains why, like your face does look like, you know, you look, oh, do I look, do I look healthier? Yeah. Yeah. It's my, you know, it's, it's all Liz. It's my wife. My wife stopped drinking. She did the 75 hard, got, went and didn't drink for 75 days. Doesn't want to ever drink again now. And really puts things in perspective, Paul. Well, you know, (laughs) um, I, as somebody who hasn't had alcohol since April 20th of 2004, I swear to God, it's life-changing. It is life-changing. I, I yeah. don't wake, I, I don't miss waking up feeling gross and bloated and hungover and like, where the hell am I? And all those things, you know, um, yeah. maybe not everybody had those experiences like I did, but man, it really is a big difference. Good for Liz for like being like, yeah, I just don't need it. Yeah, yeah, she's my better half. She's my glamorous better half. That's for sure. Um, she looks lovely at Big Day Brunch. She is. She's hot. She's very hot. She's a smoke show. Um, yeah. Well, hey guys, do what you need to do to keep yourself good. That's all it is. Stay healthy. Stay happy. Thanks for coming into the house. Get on out the door. But remember, you're welcome back anytime. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc